good tidings, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Good Tidings Radio Broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, accompanied again in the broadcast booth today by my wife, Dorinda. And we are grateful for the services and the ministry of WXAN Radio here in Ava, Illinois. We are grateful to Danny and Leanne and Will and Melody and the good folks here that carry out the mission of sharing the gospel with a lost world, preaching and exalting Christ, lifting up the scriptures, and standing for biblical faith and earnestly contending for the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Now, they can't do this without your support. And obviously, we need to pray for WXAN Radio, and I hope that you do, because it's a beautiful, wonderful, God-given ministry that we don't want to take for granted. But we also realize that they have bills to pay. And uh, we're going into the Thanksgiving season now. Here we are on the 11th of November in the year of our Lord, 2023. And... uh, Show WXAN Radio you're thankful for them by supporting them financially. I would encourage your church, if you're looking for a mission abroad, a a regional mission throughout southern Illinois, southeast Missouri, and in this region, to support WXAN Radio. So contact Will Stevens or Danny. Uh, here at the radio station and let them know you'd like to take them on as a mission one time or continually help them to pay the debt that they have in taking on this beautiful ministry. So support WXAN Radio financially and prayerfully. Tell others about them and advertise with them, folks. They reach a lot of people. Now, here we are going into the second weekend of November and the year seems to be flying by. And Dorinda and I are grateful that you're tuned in today. If you're on your car radio, you're listening via 103.9 FM. And if you're listening over the Internet, you're listening to us through www.wxanradio.com. And when the page pulls up, click on the button, Listen Live. And you'll be tuned in. It is 11 a.m. Central Standard Time on this November the 11th, Saturday. We're glad you're tuned in. So open your Bibles today. Let's get right into the Word of God again. Open your Bibles to the Old Testament book of Job, the oldest book in the Bible, Job, chapter number 14 and verse number 14. I want to speak to you a simple simple Bible message today. You know that, that Pastor David is a simple Bible preacher and teacher, a simple person, and we like to share it simply so everyone can understand. So I want to title today's message in the form of a question that many people in the world are asking. Is there life after death? Is there life after death? In Job chapter 14, and verse 14, the Bible says, If a man die, shall he live again? All the days of my appointed time will I wait till my change come. So, by way of introduction, from the first, Where art thou? in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 9, down to the last, the Bible asks and answers many great questions. Life also has its questions. But life and experience cannot answer them. For reliable answers, folks, 
we must turn to the Holy Scriptures, the Bible, the inspired Word of God, infallible, impeccable. So someone has suggested that the preacher who preaches on the great questions of the Bible and gives not his own answers, but the answers of the Scriptures, will discover before he is through that he has struck all the major chords of the everlasting gospel. One of man's greatest and most earnest questions is found in our text in Job 14:14. 14, 14. If a man die, shall he live again? Since Job is the oldest book in the Bible, this is probably one of the oldest questions ever asked. A question that has coursed and crossed everyone's mind. So you may be listening today and you said, "I'm listening to that. Tell me about that. Do people live again?" Well, as the old song said, one question more than all others, from thoughtful minds implores reply, it is breathed from Star and Paul, what fate awaits us when we die? End of quote. Now, there are several answers to that question, and I want to give you some answers. So jot, get a pen out and jot down the answers to the question, is there life after death? Number one, the first answer comes from the materialist. That's the person who replies with a short and quick no. That's the person whose life is about adding materials to their life. The materialist claims that the sum total of man is flesh, bone, and blood. If you ask the materialist, where does one go when he dies? He or she will answer, nowhere. Earth to earth, ashes to ashes, and dust to dust. The soul is but a function of the brain, is what they'll say. Napoleon once said, knock me on the head, I'm quoting, knock me on the head when there is my soul, end of quote. So the second answer not a, comes not only from the materials, but the second answer comes from the scientist. But when it comes to the question, if a man die, shall he live again? The scientist's lips are sealed. He or she has no answer. Science is organized knowledge. And knowledge is of things that are seen. But the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4 and verse 18, the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. The scientist has no scientific way of proving life after death, since there is no way to test and experiment. The scientist can deal only with those things that he or she can taste, touch, hear, see, and smell the things having to do with the five senses. So when the scientist tells you where I came from or where we're going, he or she's completely out of their field. Well, the third answer, is their life after death, comes not only from the materialist, the scientist, but it comes from the agnostic. That is a word invented by Thomas Huxley. It is a transliteration of the Greek word which comes, or rather which means unknown. The agnostic does not say for sure that there is not life after death, simply that we cannot know. And he or she is right if you leave out divine revelation, the Bible, the Word of God. So those are three answers from the materialist, the scientist, and the agnostic. So let's look at the second point here today. Let's look at our Lord's answer to the question, if a man live or if a man die, shall he live again? 
John chapter 11 and verse 25 and 26. If a man dies, shall he live again? Jesus answered that question in John 11, 25 and 26. I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. He answered it again when he said to his disciples in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3, Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. Our Lord Jesus was about to be separated from his disciples by death, but he assured them that they would all meet again. He said, I will receive you unto myself. And that teaches a reunion. Myself teaches recognition of each other in the life to come. How would the disciples know him that they had been, how would they know that they had been received unto the Lord unless they recognized that it was Jesus? The Hebrew writer confirmed our Lord's answer to the question, If a man die, shall he live again? In Hebrews 9 and verse 27, And it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. Mark those words, after this. There is something after death, folks. If death were all and human beings cease to exist, then what is the need for a judgment? The book of Job confirms our Lord's answer in Job 19. Verses 25 through 27. Job said, For I know that my Redeemer liveth, and that he shall stand at the latter day upon the earth. And though my skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh shall I see God, whom I shall see for myself, and mine eyes shall behold, and not another. Paul confirmed Christ's answer in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 23. For I am in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He did so again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, when he said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. No one can believe in divine revelation and not believe in life after death. So Jesus' answer confirms man's idea and instinct of immortality. You see, the idea of immortality did not originate at the birth of Christ. It was there long before Christ came, and he simply brought light back to it. In 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 10, But it is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. The great pyramids testify to the idea of immortality. Here, nations buried their kings and their pharaohs and placed in the tombs the furniture and the other personal items of the deceased because it was believed that the dead would live again and therefore they would need those things in the afterlife. Human beings have unearthed the skeletal remains of warriors who were buried with their spears in hand. Why were they buried with those folks? Because of a belief in life after death. And in the afterlife, these warriors, it was thought, would need their spears. So the idea of immortality is a a mighty and 
answerable argument for it. There's a big answer, arguable answer for it, rather. Someone has said, The intuition of immortality is written in the heart of man by a hand that writes no falsehoods. So Jesus confirms, Jesus' answer confirms man's belief in justice. There is no such thing as complete and total justice in this world. We all know of men and human beings who've committed the same crime but did not pay the same debt to society. Just as we see things happen on a regular basis, it seems like, corrupt politicians because of their power, because of their money, and because of their abilities, the Justice Department overlooks penalizing people with names and uh, uh, and higher-ranking elitism in America's society, but lets normal people be punished under the law where others escape. So, no. There is not a fair justice system in the United States of America. Yes, we are to be governed and ruled by law, and that is what our Constitution and our Bill of Rights teaches. But those who have positions of authority many times have sway over those in positions of authority and are not held with the same accountability. But that's only going to be for a while, because the Bible says that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow. And every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is coming a day for judgment for me, for you, and for everyone else. And what may have been overlooked in life will not be overlooked at the Bema Seat of Christ for the believer or at the great white throne judgment for the unbeliever. So, friend, if you're listening to the sound of this preacher's voice today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, We implore you today, we beg you, we beseech you by the mercies of God, Paul said, that you listen today to the scripture. Jesus Christ died on the cross vicariously to pay your sin debt. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner and you're a sinner. We owe a sin debt to a holy and just God. How did we get that sin debt? When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, the Bible says in Romans that Adam, the first man, brought sin into the world, and so death came because of sin, and so death was passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So Adam and Eve, being the first human beings, passed a sin nature onto us when we are born. And when that child reaches an age of accountability, where they know the difference between right and wrong, they become accountable for sin. And they owe God, a holy God, a sin debt that has to be paid for. God has never overlooked sin. He always has to punish sin. So he so loved us that he didn't want human beings paying their own sin debt. Because if we did that, we have nothing to offer God And when we die in the physical, we would have to suffer the second death in the spiritual and go to the lake of fire in hell and burn forever and ever and ever because we have nothing to offer God. But the good news is God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. So God so loved every human being that he sent Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary, who lived a sinless life, who came down here to die to demonstrate the love of God through his sacrificial, vicarious death on the cross, when he took every one of your sins you've ever committed or will commit if you live to be a thousand, he paid for the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future. He who knew no sin became sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. 
He shed his blood in our place. The Father, seen that blood, accepted that blood. Jesus died, and he put the, they put his body, lifeless body in a borrowed tomb. And on the third day, God resurrected him to prove to us that he was satisfied with the payment that Jesus made for our sins. And now, by grace, through faith in Jesus and him alone, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, not part of the way. I am the way. Not one of the ways, I am the way. Amen. Folks, Jesus Christ is the only way to eternal forgiveness of sins and sin debt because of his blood shed on the cross. And we as sinners recognize we can't save ourselves, that we are a sinner, we have no hope, and we come by faith. We take our trust. Biblical belief is trust in or depending upon Jesus Christ and Him alone as your personal Savior. And by grace, God will forgive you if you will, from the sincerity of your heart, recognize you're a sinner and ask Jesus Christ to come into your heart and save you. God will save you. I want to lead you in a simple prayer of faith right this moment. If you're not saved, now's the time. So follow me in this simple prayer from the sincerity of your heart. Jesus I agree with you that I am a sinner, and I deserve eternal damnation. But you died for me on the cross. You shed your blood for me, and you were my sacrifice. And you were buried, and you were resurrected the third day. And now I ask you to come into my heart and save me. I'm trusting you and you alone to be my personal Savior and take me to heaven when I die. Now, folks, if you've done that, the Bible says you've been born again spiritually, brought to life spiritually. So now, if you will send me an email, I have free literature that Dorinda and I will send to you, free of charge, for brand new Christians. It's good, biblically sound uh, literature that will help you start living the Christian life victoriously and obediently to the scriptures you can email me at dr dave d-r-d-a-v-e dr dave one three at gmail.com dr dave one three at gmail.com and we'll get that to you okay so today if a man die shall he live again that's the text and the uh, title of our message so we're seeing that yes Jesus is showing by his answer that man will be judged and man will live again. So what thirdly, what's the future going to what's this future life going to be like if we live again? Well, the Bible speaks more of the fact and the glory of the life to come than of the actual nature of it. As a matter of fact, the Bible does not reveal all there is to know about the life to come. But in 2 Corinthians 12 verses 2 through 4, the apostle said, I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, such an one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth, how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Paul saw things in heaven, folks, that he could not talk about. Is that 
possible that our present physical bodies could not stand it if we knew all there was about this wonderful life to come in heaven? If we would never be, because if we knew that, we'd never be satisfied in this life again. The knowledge of the life to come would ruin us totally for this world where God is using us and we're worshiping Him. But the Bible does not tell us everything there is to know about the afterlife. It does not leave us totally in the dark. Many of the descriptions of the life to come are given in the Bible, but they're given in negative terms. I mean, rather than telling us what there is, the Bible tells us what is not there. There will be no more curse. In other words, there will be no more sin in heaven. There will be no more death, which is the wages of sin. Sin and death are Siamese twins. They always ride together. There will be no more sea. That's a symbol of unrest. There will be no more pain. Neither again will we hear the cries and the groanings of people suffering. Never again will we stand by helpless and watch our loved ones suffer through excruciating pain. There will be no more sorrow in heaven. The causes of all sorrow have been banished, and there will be no more crying. No tears in heaven, no sorrow given. All will be glory in that land. There will be no sadness, all will be gladness when we shall join that happy band. Folks, there will be no night in heaven. There'll be no night. You see, heaven is a real place. In John chapter 14, verses 2 and 3, Jesus said, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And heaven is called a place. Jesus called it a place. He also said in Matthew 6, verses 19 and 20, I love to quote Jesus. He said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. If heaven wasn't real, a real literal place, a real physical place, and if it was only a state of mind, How in the world could we lay stuff up in it if it was just a state of mind? Revelation chapter 21 and verse 15 gives the measurements of the holy city that God's building. If you multiplied the cubits into feet and then divided the feet into miles, you would discover that the holy city, the New Jerusalem, is 1,500 miles square. This could not be said of a state of mind. It can only be said of a real, literal place. Heaven is also a place of indescribable beauty and joy and glory. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, Eye hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. And Paul says that things that God has prepared for us has never crossed our minds. We can't imagine it. Luke 15.10, Likewise I say unto you, There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repenteth. If there's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that gets saved, just think about what in the world's going to be, heaven's going to be glorious about, folks. Heaven is also not only a place of indescribable beauty and glory and a real literal place, but heaven's also a place of perfect rest. In Revelation chapter number 14, in verse number 13, the Bible said, Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and their works do follow them. Folks, heaven is a place of perfect rest. 
it's a place of perfect rest. It won't, won't get tired in heaven anymore. Now, time is starting to escape us, but I'm going to tie this up with this. The title of today's message is found in Job 14.14. 14. If a man die, shall he live again? And yes, that's true. Now, the final point I want to make, we've already touched on, but I want to hit it again. Who is going to heaven? Who's going to go to this heaven? If you ask 20 people that question, you get 20 different answers, I'm sure, because most people think they're going. But if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and been born again of the Spirit through faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will not make it. You may be well-intended, and you may be a nice person morally and ethically, but except you be born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So only those who have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus, only those who have asked Jesus Christ to be their personal Savior and been saved by grace through faith will be, will be saved and go to heaven. Not those who are depending on their works, their baptism, their philanthropy, their charitable donations, but only those who know Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You must come to Jesus and him alone. Because on Christ the solid rock we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You must trust Jesus Christ and nothing else to be saved and to go to heaven. So, is there life after death? Yes, there is. And it's in heaven. Are you going to go? And if you're going, Christian... Why don't you hand a gospel tract to someone else, witness to them, and win that soul to Christ, and take them with you? Every human being will not be saved. But Christian, every human being deserves to know how to be saved. And may God revive every preacher, every Christian, and every church in winning souls to faith in Jesus Christ in these latter days. We want you to pray for WXAN Radio. We want you to give to WXAN Radio. We do. We want you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem and pray for Israel and the, uh, the people of Israel and pray for the leaders of this land and country, as feckless as they are in the White House. Pray that God will raise up men and women in our Congress who will stand with Israel and be the allies. Because Abraham said, I will bless, God told Abraham, who is the father of Israel, I will bless them that bless you, and I will curse them that curse you. And the greatest thing that the United States of America can do right now is stand with Israel. So pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for your elected officials that God would remove the evil ones and implant it with Christian people who believe the Constitution and will defend and believe in the rule of law in this country. So, God bless you, folks. You've been listening to the Good Tidings radio broadcast. I am your radio pastor, Dr. David Pinkerton, and it has been an honor and a joy for Dorinda and I to be with you today here over the airways of WXAN Radio 103.9. Keep looking. God is still in control. Prayer changes things, and all things are possible to him or her that believeth. God bless you all. Oh, yes. Emmanuel. God is with us. Oh, yes. To fear. For unto
So fear not. Fear not. Fine. Yes, sir.